I missed the sunrise service this morning, I missed the pancake breakfast, but I wasn't going to miss this celebration, I wasn't going to miss this. Holy Week is full of surprises though, isn't it? The week that we have just journeyed through, called Holy Week because it is ordained by God, it's set apart by God as holy, and there are always struggles. That first week, uh, as indeed this week, there are struggles, there are victories, there are wins and there are losses. And uh, I don't know what this last week has been for you, but it's great to hear from Zeshan's testimony this morning, something of the, the breakthrough of God on Palm Sunday in his life. Uh, on Thursday, Mary and I hosted Sam and Izzy and Sally, Sally, and we had a great evening celebrating the Passover. Well, when I say celebrating the Passover, we had roast lamb and red wine, so that's kind of celebrating the Passover. And it was... It's not my story to tell this morning, but it was uh, one of the high points uh, of my year. And within a few weeks' time, we're going to have to clear away the, uh, the donkeys. We're going to have to get rid of Eeyore. We're going to have to get rid of the plants, and we're going to have to uncover the baptismal font on there uh, as we celebrate another transformed life. It was so good uh, on Friday morning to worship here uh, with at least three uh, congregations represented, well represented, as we gathered around the cross. Only the cross of Christ can reconcile people, only the cross of Christ. So that was a real celebration. And then the Lord hit me with the flu bug. And uh, so I've been laying low for the last two weeks, but it's two days, two days. Uh, but it's good to be here and to celebrate this holy week. Set apart by God. This morning I want to unpack uh, John's gospel reading that we had. If you've got your scriptures there, open with me to John 20. And I'm reading from verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary Magdalene. What a journey that woman had. What an incredible journey the Lord took her on from this broken, demon-possessed woman, completely possessed. Luke's gospel reminds us that seven demons were cast out of this woman, which is really Luke's way of saying that this woman was completely possessed by the devil. And she had this one encounter with Jesus, and her life was transformed. She came from a little fishing village called Magdala, Last year, I had uh, the great privilege of heading to Israel, the Holy Lands. And uh, Mal and I and a couple of others traveled up to Galilee, and we toured around uh, the shores of Lake Galilee. And one of the high points for me was discovering this place called Magdala. And only 10 years ago, Magdala, they were trying to build a hotel there, and they were doing some excavations, and they uncovered the synagogue the synagogue of Magdala. And they scratched away and scratched away, and there left for you to see now is this little synagogue that Jesus would have taught in 2,000 years ago. There were some artifacts there that were, would have sat there, little artifacts of the temple. It was such a profound uh, moment for me to see where Jesus would have taught, and he would have said in his ministry at that time that he was fulfilling the law of Israel. 
A little church has been built just on the other side of the synagogue, and a little bit further on is, uh, is the Lake of Galilee. Magdala, this woman, Mary, who had come from there, was transformed by the Lord Jesus. She was the last person to stand at the cross. She was the first person, as we read in John's Gospel, to go to the tomb and find that the tomb was empty. As we've already heard, she is asked two questions by the angels, and she's asked a question by the Lord Jesus as well. Why are you crying, and who are you looking for? Why are you crying, and who are you looking for? There's been a lot of tears uh, shed in Paris over the last seven days, and if we could have that shot up on the screen, a lot of tears have been shed for a building that has been burnt down. And uh, Paris has been in something of a shock as they see, see the symbol of Christianity uh, burnt and the spire collapsing and the roof collapsing. But if we could have the next shot, there is a profound image of all the debris and all the roof collapsing down, the edifice, if you like, of Christendom, and yet what remains in the middle, the shining bright cross of Calvary. How symbolic. How symbolic. I heard on the news this morning while you faithful souls were out celebrating the risen Lord at 7 a.m., uh, that on the streets in Paris, they're still protesting. The yellow shirts, I hadn't heard of this for weeks and weeks, but thousands of people are on the streets protesting about all that's going on. There is something going on in France that we don't really understand. The palpable grief in Western culture as powerful forces are destroying the central place that Christianity holds in Western culture. Is it the spirit of the age, the spirit of the Antichrist, that is burning up the edifice which is Christendom, or is it the judgment of God? The symbol of the cross. In the Old Testament, the fire consumed the sacrifice. In the New Covenant, it is the sacrifice of Calvary that consumes the fire of God's wrath. Mary was weeping. And the two angels asked her, why are you crying? And then Jesus himself asks the question of Mary, why are you crying and what are you looking for? Mary was weeping in an understandable grief over the death of her beloved Redeemer. She had had such a profound encounter with the Lord Jesus. And so she had seen him die. She went to the tomb his body had been taken away. She was consumed with grief. The one who had set her free from demonic oppression. But Jesus is much more than a healer and a redeemer. She was weeping in ignorance of the sovereign will of God that Jesus Christ must die for the sin of the world, for her sins. And as he said time and time again, and yet the disciples failed to hear him, on the third day he would raise from dead. He would overcome death and sin. She was weeping in ignorance at the sovereign will of God. Mary is understandably grieving. She's standing outside the tomb weeping because she does not yet know. 
But here on the third day, Jesus stands behind Mary and calls her name Mary as he calls us this morning and calls us by our name. John 20, verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When she heard Jesus voice calling her, she turned and called him Rabbani, teacher. But of course, he is much more than a teacher. I wonder who it is that you're looking for this morning, a healer, perhaps a teacher, perhaps a deliverer, but he is so much more. On Mary's announcement that the stone had been rolled away to the disciples as she was instructed to go and tell them, that Jesus' body had been taken, Peter and John ran to the tomb, and they also found the empty tomb. But unlike Mary, they didn't wait around. They didn't wait around, and so they didn't get to meet Jesus until the end of the day. That night, the disciples are locked in a room. They are fearful. Verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and said, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the disciples, of course, wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there. The disciples said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And he responded, unless I see and touch the nail marks and the wound in his side, I will not believe. And so he had to wait for another seven days before he had an encounter with the risen Lord. Seven days later, he did not understand the sovereign will of God in sending Jesus Christ to die. But seven days later, the disciples again are in a locked room. And again, Jesus comes amongst them and declares to them peace. Peace be with you. Whenever Jesus is in our midst, that's the outcome. Peace is present with us. Who is it that you are looking for this morning? A healer? A deliverer? A teacher? A giver of good gifts? A guide to your path? A voice to show you the way? Jesus, of course, all of these things. But if your understanding of God is that that is all he is, one who will satisfy your needs, your desires, your wants, then let me warn you today, you're in danger of turning the God of Scripture into a genie of the lamp that you rub in times of trouble and your wish is granted. You're in danger of turning the God of Scripture into a religious product that you consume. God in His grace does 
come to us and call us by name and meet us exactly where we are. But listen how Thomas responds when his eyes are opened seven days later. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out in your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. My Lord and my God, not some genie of the lamp that we rub when times are difficult, when we want some answer to our prayer, but our Lord and our God. This is the risen Savior whom we worship this morning. God incarnate, the crucified, risen, and ascended King of Kings. This is Yahweh in our midst. This is God in our very midst, risen from the dead. The great I am who now reigns from heaven. This is your Lord. This is your God. Remember how Jesus warned Mary when she turned towards Jesus and cried out to her teacher in Aramaic, Rabbani. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Where is this Jesus now? He is the one who is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is reigning from on high. This is our Lord. This is our God. And we can know him by faith. We can allow his life, his risen life, to dwell in us by faith as we put our trust in him this day. The risen Lord Jesus, who reigns from on high at the right hand of the Father, is present with us this morning by his indwelling Holy Spirit. If you will but lay down your clamor for healing and deliverance and teaching and simply say, forgive me, Lord, for the self-absorption, my Lord and my God, I worship you this morning. God strips it all away. He'll burn it all up, even the most precious elements of your life. If we don't understand the sovereign will of God in Christ Jesus, which is that we are sent like Mary, we are sent to proclaim the reconciling, redeeming work of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of Calvary, the empty cross of Calvary where the sacrifice of the Lamb consumes the fire of God's wrath to set us free. This is paradoxically the love of God manifest on earth. He loves us and he loves us creation too much to allow wickedness and evil to triumph. And though at times it seems his ways are difficult, difficult to comprehend, difficult to follow, he is God amongst us, my Lord and my God. Who are we looking for this morning? A genie of the lamp or God incarnate? Crucified, risen, and ascended King of Kings, who is ruling the nations and will return one day. Christ has died. Christ is risen Christ will come again in glory. Let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer.
Lord Jesus, as we gather in your name this morning, as we reflect on the symbols again this morning of the empty cross and the empty tomb, we praise you. We praise you, our Lord and our God, that you were willing to go through death, that we might be redeemed, that we might be set free, that we might know the depth of the love of the Father. And so I pray for each and every one of us this morning, Lord, that you would give us a fresh revelation of what it means to worship you, our Lord and our God. By your spirit, Lord, would you show us what it means to follow you wherever you take us, to go wherever you send us, to do whatever it is that you call us to be and do. We worship you this morning, crucified and risen our Saviour, our Lord and our God. And today, above all, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you reign in our hearts. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.